All right, guys, we're in Luke chapter 13. You want to turn there. Uh, going to be in verse 10 all the way through 21, Luke chapter 13. Uh, as you know, when you come to worship and, and we're quoting the Psalms, we're encouraging uh, everyone to be reading through the Psalms. Uh, that's supposed to be going on uh, pretty consistently, uh, daily, in fact. Um, and so we, we do that weekly together as well. I want to encourage you, if you're behind, it's okay. Just start today. Go online, uh, download the reading plan, and just start today, and that's okay. Uh, part of that, though, uh, our Live Love campaign, it's, it's, not just, it's not just daily reading and reflection. Uh, weekly, we're also stressing church attendance and invitation. It was really cool. Last week, somebody, invi- uh, somebody introduced me to their neighbor. said, hey, I, I took that invitation thing seriously. This is my neighbor. I thought, that's pretty awesome, and so uh, that's cool. And then monthly, guys, we're also going out, and we're actually doing something because of what we believe. We're actually going out in the community. Uh, trying to love people in, in, in visible, tangible ways. And so uh, this month, our challenge is this. We're calling it the Express Lane Blessing. The Express Lane Blessing. And here are the instructions for your Express Lane Blessing, okay? Number one, you've got to pray. You start on your own, and, and, and uh, we're going to ask you to count your blessings. If you don't count your blessings, you're never going to feel blessed enough to go bless somebody else. Uh, but when you stop and you think about all that God has done for you, it naturally makes you want to go do something for someone else. So it starts by counting your own blessings. Two, we're going to ask for you to pray for an opportunity. Now, some may call that a divine appointment. God, would you provide me with an opportunity uh, at HEB, Walmart, uh, it, it can even be you know, Dollar General or a gas station, but something express lane. We're, we're kind of trying to cut the cost a little bit for you. Uh, somebody to, to bless somebody. Uh, and, and pay for their groceries, okay? And, uh, and that's what you're going to do. Now, when you get there, and, uh, and you've, oh, you, you actually have to go to the store, by the way. It doesn't work on Amazon. You can't, you can't online shop your way to the express lane blessing. It doesn't work. So you actually have to see people. That's part of that, you know, uh, second greatest commandment is love people, not just the Internet. So um, you've got to go love people. And, uh, and then so you go to the store, and, and you've been praying, and, and what we believe is going to happen is God's going to put somebody on your heart when you go to check out or, or, or something's going to happen. And, uh, and, and what happens is when they go to get ready to pay, you just step up and, and you hand the cashier your card and say, actually, I'd like to cover, I'd like to cover these groceries. Uh, and that person is going to look at you and say, why? And your response is just, well, you know, God's really blessed me and, and I feel like he's telling me to bless you. God loves you and I just wanted you to know that. Um, it, it doesn't have to be an invitation to church. That's not what we're looking for. Uh, please don't post uh, it on Facebook. Um, we don't want any recognition for that. Uh, instead, what we will ask you to do, though, is to email us uh, privately um, how the Lord blessed you through that experience. And so I've got one that I want to read uh, to you this morning uh, from someone that did this. And uh, they say, so this is so amazingly cool. That's, that's, that's a good way to start an email, by the way. Uh, I had been praying about buying someone's groceries, but usually I don't even go in the store. I just send my kids. But this past Friday, on the way home, I needed to run by the grocery store. And my daughter said, I'll run in, but something told me I needed to go in. Uh, So I go in the store, and I get a few things. And in one of the aisles, I see a lady, probably in her 60s, with organic spinach and some other really healthy stuff in her cart. And I'm a chatter. And I talk to people in H-E-B, Walmart, gas station, wherever I talk to people. So I said something chatty about her healthy food. And she told me that she was trying to eat healthier, that she had just been diagnosed with some health issues, but it was so expensive. We both moved on, but when I got in line to pay, the same lady was just checking out. 
She pulled out her cash, and at that moment, I excused myself past the young man in front of me, and I told the cashier to give the cash back, and I said that I was paying for her groceries. She just looked at me. I don't think she knew what to say or to do for a minute, and then she said, well, you don't have to do that. (coughs) Excuse me. She said, you don't have to do that. I told her that God blessed me and that God asked me to bless her by paying her bill. They finished bagging her groceries and she just said, you have really blessed me. Thank you and God bless you. But here's the really cool part. I got a triple blessing back. Not only did she bless me, but the young man in my line between us paid for his groceries and turned around and took my hand and said, God bless you for helping her. That just helped restore my faith in people. It gets better. Then the cashier himself said, Bless you for helping her. You never see people doing nice things like that anymore. Needless to say, and I'm not saying this in a proud or boastful way, but God had me feeling pretty good when I walked out of H-E-B Friday evening. All right? We are blessed so that we can be a blessing. All right? That's what the express lane blessing is all about. So uh, I want to challenge you. Get on it, okay? Uh, be praying about it. Be looking for those opportunities. And, uh, and when you do, and, and, and I can't read everybody's story, but I'll, I'll pick a story or so uh, here over the next few weeks and share in a service and, uh, and, and just share that testimony. Notice I didn't read any names. I didn't say who the person was. We're not going to do that because it's, it's not a boastful thing. But uh, it, it's, when, when we're obedient and we do what we feel like God's calling us to do, God uses it in, in ways that we couldn't imagine. There's no way that that person thought in doing that small act that they were going to bless three people instead of one, right? And, uh, and really four, because they were blessed more than all the others. And so uh, that's good stuff. Guys, I'm in Luke um, chapter 13. Uh, I'm going to pray, if, if you don't mind, here in a second. Luke chapter 13, uh, starting in verse 10. Let's, let's pray. Father, um, we love you and we need you. Holy Spirit, we're going to ask right now that you'd come and be our teacher and our guide and that you would teach us the things of Jesus from the inside out. We pray for wisdom to understand uh, this word and we pray for strength to do something about it. We love you. It's in your name we ask these things. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Luke chapter 13, starting in verse 10, says, On a Sabbath, Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues. And a woman was there who had been crippled by a spirit for 18 years. She was bent over, and she could not straighten up at all. When Jesus saw her, he called her forward and said to her, Woman, you are set free from your infirmity. Then he put his hands on her, and immediately she straightened up and praised God. Indignant, because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath, the synagogue ruler said to the people, There are six days for work, so come and be healed on those days, not on the Sabbath. And the Lord answered him, You hypocrites! Doesn't each of you on the Sabbath untie his ox or his donkey from the stall and lead it out to give it water? Then should not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has kept bound for 18
14 long years be set free on the Sabbath day from what bound her? When he said this, all of his opponents were humiliated, but the people were delighted with all the wonderful things that he was doing. Then Jesus asked, What is the kingdom of God like? What shall I compare it to? It is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his garden, and it grew and became a tree, and the birds of the air perched in its branches. Again he asked, What shall I compare the kingdom of God to? It is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into a large amount of flour until it worked all through the dough. Um, Just two things I want to share with you this morning, if you don't mind. That doesn't mean you're getting out early. Two things. Number one, I want you to see this morning that the Sabbath is designed to be a day where we're set free. The Sabbath is designed to be a day where we are set free. Now, if this text sounds familiar to you, it's because something very similar happened back in Luke chapter 6. In Luke chapter 6, Jesus was in the synagogue on the Sabbath, and there was a man there uh, with a withered hand. And you remember that, uh, that he healed the man with a withered hand uh, in, in the synagogue, and the rulers were upset then, too, right? And, and, of course, that story in Luke 6 was preceded by another Sabbath story where Jesus was walking through the fields with his disciples on the Sabbath, and the Pharisees were on a stakeout and watching him to see if he did any work. They were hungry, the Bible said, so they, they, they got some, some kernels of grain and they popped them in their mouth for a snack. And, and, and the rulers of the synagogue and the Pharisees, they declared that he had broken several Sabbath laws, which led Jesus to declaring this in Luke 6, 5, okay? He, he, he says, the Son of Man is the Lord of the Sabbath. The Son of Man is the Lord of the Sabbath. Now, that, that's a big deal. That means that Jesus is the ruler over the Sabbath. That Jesus is the one that reigns over the Sabbath. And that's huge because, let's face it, the, 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 the synagogue rulers, the Pharisees, the scribes, they thought that they were the ones that ruled over the Sabbath. Now, for us to fully grasp what Jesus means when he says that the Son of Man is the Lord of the Sabbath, we need to know a little bit about the Sabbath. So let's go all the way back to Genesis 1 and creation, right? And the Bible says that God made everything that we see and everything that we don't see, and he made it all in six days. And on the seventh day, God rested from his labor, right? And and then we we continue on and we get to Genesis chapter 3. And in Genesis chapter 3, we have sin entering the world and we call it the fall of man. And there was a great consequence for that, right? Mankind was separated from God, separated from the tree of life, um, and they were also, the Bible says, cursed. From that point on, mankind was cursed and they were going to have to labor all of the days of their life. The text says all of the days of their life they're supposed to labor. Now, then we get to Exodus. We get to Exodus and God's revealing himself to his children. In Exodus chapter 20 specifically, we get the Ten Commandments. And listen to what God says there in the Ten Commandments. Exodus 20 starting in verse 8. He says, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all of your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, uh, neither you nor your son nor your daughter nor your male or your female servant, uh, nor your animals nor any foreigner residing in your towns. 
Uh, For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day, and he made it holy. And boy, did the Jews take that one seriously. Of all the Ten Commandments, you might argue that they took that one the most seriously. In fact, they declared and and, and they came up with 39 categories of work that were prohibited on the Sabbath. 39 categories of work that if you did any of those things, you were clearly breaking Sabbath law. You see, they set themselves up to be the rulers of the Sabbath. And they ruled it with an iron fist. Only one problem. Jesus came the true Lord of the Sabbath, the true ruler of the Sabbath, and and, and these men that had been teaching that mankind was made to serve the Sabbath, that man was made for the Sabbath, and the true Lord of the Sabbath shows up, Jesus, the King of Kings, stepped out of glory into humanity, and he came to correct some misgivings about God. And one of the things that he corrects is this. He declares, uh, in Mark 2.27, that the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. That, 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 that the earthly rulers of the Sabbath had it wrong, but the true ruler of the Sabbath came to set it right. And he, and he said, listen, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. The Sabbath was meant to be a day for us, Right? The Sabbath was meant to be a day that that we could be set free from the curse. That's what it was meant to be. The the Sabbath was meant to be a day that we could be set free from all of our labors. It was meant to be a day that we could be set free from all of our burdens. It was meant to be a day that that we could come uh, for help and receive help and healing from God for all of the troubles that we face in life. That's what the Sabbath was meant to be. And this poor woman, I want you to try, to try to hear her story. This poor woman has been plagued for 18 years. 18 years she's been plagued. She's been burdened. She has been bound. She has been crippled by a spirit. I wonder, what was that spirit's name? Was it shame that crippled her? Was it guilt? Was it fear? Maybe that crippling spirit was a spirit of worry. And it was so great. Her burden was so heavy that it just literally bent her over at the back. We don't know what that spirit's name was, but we do know that Jesus saw her. And when Jesus saw her, he does the same thing that he does with every person he sees that's carrying a load that is too big for them. He invites her to himself. This is basically Matthew 11. You guys remember that, right? Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and and burdened, and I will give you rest. And so Jesus sees this woman, right? Jesus sees this woman. Look at verse 12. When Jesus saw her, he called her forward. He calls her forward and then he sets her free. He, he calls her forward and then he sets her free. He calls him to himself. He sees the burden. He sees that, that she's weary. He sees that she's worn out. He knows that it's been 18 years of dealing with this debilitating problem. He calls her forward and he sets her free. Woman, you are free from your infirmity. 
Woman, you are free from your weakness. Woman, you are free from your restraints. Woman, you are free from your trials. Woman, you are free from your troubles. Right here and right now. Not one day, two day, for the kingdom has come. The Lord of the Sabbath is standing before you and he has come to set you free. Friends, that's what Sunday should be about. But by the way, that, that is our Sabbath, post-resurrection. Jesus raised from the dead Sunday morning. That's, this is our Sabbath. That's, that's what Sunday should be about. Sunday should be a day that we come and we bring whatever it is that binds us before Jesus. And we say, here, can you do something with this? And he'll look at us lovingly and say, can you? <laughs> But friends, for that to happen, we've got to change some things. See, see, for Sunday to really be a day that God sets us free, we're going to have to change some things. We're going to have to change the way that we view this place and that we view this time. We view what we do here. This, this can no longer be a place for show. It can't be a place um, where, where we gather pridefully, acting like we've got it all put together in the right place. Can't be that, Right? It, it, it can't be a, a, a car wash where we, we come in and, and just kind of clean the outside of the vehicle and go out in the world and act like we've got it all together. It's got to be a hospital to work. It's got to be. We have to understand our need if, if it's going to work. We're going to have to bring our junk. We're going to have to bring what ails us. We're going to have to bring all of our infirmities if Jesus is really going to heal us. And this day is supposed to uh, be about that, by the way. See, I think for some time we have thought um, like that the Sabbath is just a day for us to worship God. It's just a day for him to receive all the glory and the honor that he's due. The only problem with that is that he deserves that every day, not just today. But this is a day that God has designed for you to come. This is a day that God has designed for you to gather. And this is a day that God has designed for you to bring everything that ails you before him so that he can prove to you that he is still healer. The Sabbath is designed to be a day where we are set free. Two, uh, just one more lesson I want to share with you. It's a long point, but it's important. I want you to see this morning that the kingdom of God will transform the entire world. The kingdom of God will transform the entire world, and it will produce a place of permanent safety and shelter for all who believe. Parables are always fun, and and Jesus is never short on them, it seems, right? He's got plenty of parables that he tells. And, and it, it's an interesting place to find parables here. We're not exactly sure why Luke inserts them here. We don't know if it was part of this original conversation or he's using it as, a, as another point, just a, a point of emphasis here. But, but they seem to be placed here on purpose. And so I want to dig in. And we're going to start with the second parable first, okay? Uh, verse 20 and 21. Again, he asked, What shall I compare the kingdom of God to? It's like yeast that a woman took and mixed into a large amount of flour until it worked all through the dough. Now, when the Bible talks about yeast, it's usually a bad thing. It's almost always a bad thing, in fact. But I use the word almost uh, on purpose. It's almost always a bad thing. See, back in 12, uh, chapter 12, verse 1, remember, Jesus begins to talk about the yeast of the Pharisees. He's talking about a bad thing, right? 
this is, a, I didn't know if you noticed, but this is a, a different occasion, uh, starting in verse 10 and verse 13. It says, on a Sabbath. It's a different occasion from that, that text we've been studying. Um, but I, I want to tell you why I don't believe Jesus is using yeast as a bad thing. I, I think he's focusing on the kingdom of God, which is a good thing. And, and instead, what he's saying, Jesus would always just use kind of whatever uh, everyday product or thing was on people's minds. And so he says, you know, the kingdom of God is, is going to be like a woman that takes a large amount of flour. Now, large amount is very specific in this text. It's about 50 pounds. That is not a small amount of flour, okay? She, she takes about 50 pounds of flour and she works a small amount of yeast in, into that dough. 50 pounds. And, and it says that the yeast um, then works its way uh, through all of the dough. And here's the thing about yeast. You can't necessarily see it working, can you? At least not at first. Not, not until it makes its way through the entire dough and the entire thing begins to rise. And the point that Jesus is making is that the kingdom of God, though at this point in time, in history, though at this point it seems small and insignificant and ineffective, that something is going on behind the scenes that is unseen. That, that God is working despite what we can see, despite what they can see, and that the kingdom of God is actually going to transform everything in the world, including you and me. That's a point he's making to his, his disciples. And it's important because sometimes we look around and it seems like evil is winning, doesn't it? Sometimes we look around and all we can see is, is the suffering and the heartache and the hurt. Sometimes we look around and it is hard to see that God is actively redeeming everything in all of creation. Sometimes that's hard to believe. But the truth is that God is at work. And, and, and the work that He is doing is slowly transforming and redeeming and glorifying Everything in all of creation until it will all reflect his glory. He says, behold, I make all things new. It's a transformation process that we find ourselves in. Okay, so the kingdom of God, it's going to transform the entire world as we know it. That's the first part of our point. The second part of our point said that, uh, and it would produce a permanent place of safety and shelter for all who believe. Now let's look at that first parable, verse 18. It says, Then Jesus asked, What is the kingdom of God like? What shall I compare it to? It's like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his garden, and it grew and it became a tree, and the birds of the air perched in its branches. Uh, now, usually, again, in the Bible, it seems like when the mustard seed is mentioned, it always says, uh, it talks about the size of the seed. But Luke doesn't care about the size of the seed here. He just cares about the end result. The fact that it's a tree big enough that all the birds can perch in it. That's kind of his point. Right? That, 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 that's kind of his point. Now, now, again, birds sometimes can have a negative connotation. I'm going to be honest with you. Remember, Jesus tells the parable of the soils, four types of soil. And it says the bird comes for the, for the seed that falls on the path. The bird comes and steals it, and the bird is supposed to represent Satan. So some people, when they read the Bible, every time they think of a bird, they think of, 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 that's a bad thing. Okay? But you remember that Jesus talked about us and God's provision for us and God's care for us. And he said, look at how God takes care of even the birds. 
Man, they, they don't sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet look at how your heavenly Father feeds them. He's saying, like, God knows you and cares about it. Jesus said, look at the sparrows. Like, not even a sparrow hits the ground without God knowing about it. They're of great value to God. Of how much greater value are you to God? And so birds aren't always a bad thing. In fact, when we go to the Old Testament, sometimes we see that birds represent people. They represent nations. So look at this with me. Um, <coughs> uh, uh, Ezekiel um, 17.23. Uh, make sure we're right. Yeah, Ezekiel seventeen twenty three says, On the mountain heights of Israel, I will plant it, and it will produce branches and bear fruit and become a splendid cedar. Birds of every kind will nest in it. They will find shelter in the shade of its branches. It says the same thing in Daniel. And again, this positive analogy seems to be the one that Luke is stirring, that the kingdom of God is going to be just that. It's going to be the kingdom of God. It's not going to be a kingdom. It is going to be the kingdom. And all nations and all tribes and all tongues, all who believe, will rest upon it. Will be safe only in it. Does that make sense? So, this is what I'd say to you. Friends, it is this unseen, unexpected kingdom that will transform the entire world and provide protection for all who believe that we are supposed to be anxiously awaiting today. It is this kingdom, this unexpected, unseen kingdom that will transform the entire world and provide protection for all who believe that we are supposed to be praying for daily. You guys remember that, right? Jesus teaching us to pray Matthew 6. This then is how you should pray, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I wonder, are we praying that? Are we anxiously awaiting that? Or have we forgotten? Have we we gotten off track and forgotten that God is at work? Right? Right? That, that, that God is at work. God is transforming everything. Again, I think sometimes we miss the mark. All we see is the bad stuff. And because all we see is the bad stuff, which, by the way, should drive us to prayer, I think somehow it does the opposite. We forget to pray. We forget to see that God is in the work of transforming. And we forget to pray that it would continue. Daily, this should be our duty, praying for the kingdom of God, that it would come. Friends, I would say this to you. I think deep down, even though we can't see the kingdom of God, I think we know it's there. You don't have to do it right now, but later, in the midst of your busyness and all the craziness, I've got one, thanks. Um, In the midst of all your busyness and your craziness, I would challenge you, maybe just close your eyes. Turn off the news. Turn off the radio and just close your eyes for a moment. I think what you'll what will happen is you when you can't see anything, I think you'll feel the kingdom of God at work. It's like a still small voice beating in your chest that says, Don't worry, a day of joy is coming. A day of jubilee is on its way. The Lord will return and we shall be like him. We shall be like him, okay? Uh, To that, I would say, yes, God, yes, (laughs) please let your kingdom come. So what do we do when we um, run into a text like this in Luke? Uh, Two things, really. 
Again, I'm going to keep it simple here. First and foremost, I want to challenge you to bring whatever binds you to Jesus. Can I ask you, how long have you been bound? In shame or fear or worry? I mean, you, you, can, you know what you're bound in. I, I'm, I'm just calling out a few. How many years have you felt like that fill-in-the-blank that you feel like you are? How many years? 18? 20? Listen to me. That's not God's goal for you. God's goal for you is not that you would be overburdened by some past mistake, by some past sin, by some past choice. God's goal for you is is not that you would be overburdened and hunched over looking at your feet. God's goal for you is that you would lift up your head and see who He is. God's goal for you is freedom, friends. But you're not going to get it unless you bring your burdens to Him. Don't read past Matthew 11. Don't read past the come to me all you who are weary and not think that it doesn't include you because you're just not weary enough. Because somebody has it worse. How long have you been bound? It's time to bring it to Jesus. It's time. Isn't it time? Anybody anybody else want to walk again? Amen. Anybody else want to run the race like Paul says? All right. Tired of my feet being shackled. I'm going to run. I'm going to jump. That's the first thing. Second, I think we've got to pray and seek the coming of the kingdom of God. We've got to pray and seek the coming of the kingdom of God daily. Any other Christians in the room feel like after you hear that, you need to repent just a little bit? Right? How, how, how many would say, Pastor, I, I don't. Pray for the coming of God's kingdom every day. I just don't do it. Okay? Twelve of us. Yes. You, you other people that are knocking out of the park. You keep doing what you're doing. Us twelve. We're going to repent. God, your kingdom. You know what happens when we pray this prayer, by the way? You know what happens? One, you know, God's always working, right? But one of the things that I think happens is God allows us to see what he's transforming right in our very lives. He allows us to see the work that he is doing in us. He allows us to see the work that he is doing in our families. He allows us to see the work that is happening in our communities, in our churches, right? When we begin to pray this prayer, it changes the way that we see our world. And the other thing it does is it gets us back on mission. Because God has chosen to use us as part of the transformation process of this world. It's our mission. We took it from Jesus when we accepted his sacrifice. We gave him our sin and ourself and we took his sacrifice and his mission. He gets us back on mission, okay? And so I'm going to challenge you guys. Do these two things today. Bring your junk to Jesus. Bring whatever binds you to Jesus. And two, pray for his kingdom to come. Would you guys pray with me? Father, thank you for loving us. You are good. Your love endures forever. I pray this morning that something would happen here today that would be pretty special. See, we're reading a text today about a woman that was bound for 18 years. And and the fact that you freed her and you set her free, it was so special that it got recorded in the Word of God. It's been handed down from generation to generation to generation. 2,000 plus years we've been telling this story, Jesus, because of what you did on that one day with that one person. And Jesus, I'm going to ask today in our midst that you would do the very same thing. 
Today in our midst, I know that there are some people for their lifetime, they have been struggling with the way they feel about themselves. For their lifetime, they have been bound. They have been bound by fear. They have been bound by anxiety. They, they have struggled with depression. They have struggled with, with their own view of themselves. Some of them for 10 plus years in this room have been bound by poor financial decisions and they feel like a failure because of it. Some of them have been bound by a past mistake that they made and, and they never feel good enough to even come to church, God. But you brought them today. And you brought them today, God, because today you wanted them to understand they can be free today. Today, the shackles can come off today. And that is my prayer today. God, would you do a miracle in our midst today? Please, Jesus, please. Please. Here's what I'm going to do. It's a brave prayer. You don't have to tell us what it is. But if you're struggling, and today that's what you want, you just want freedom. You just stand up where you are. Just want freedom? Just want freedom. Yeah. I just want freedom. You don't have to tell a soul. Jesus knows what you want the freedom from. Amen. I want freedom. Take these chains. Now for the rest of you, I'm going to invite you to stand, but I want you to come and you're going to pray. And you're going to pray, God, would your kingdom come? And would it break in on the hearts of these people today? Not one day, but today. God, would they experience freedom today? Let your kingdom come, okay? So, so you join us in this spirit of prayer today. We're going to pray for those that were standing. We're going to pray that God would break in right here, right now. We're praying for healing, Lord Jesus, in your name. In your name. Join us as we pray. Join us as we pray.